no-nonsense podcast where you get the truth about food so you can eat what you want and be healthy. I'm your host, Maggie, and welcome to episode eight of this series. I want to give a special shout out to anyone who has left a rating or review on their streaming service. This helps others discover the podcast and hopefully inform their eating habits for the better. So if you have a moment and want to throw some stars down or write a quick review, I'd really appreciate it. Thanks. Okay, let's get into today's topic. It's a little sour, a little tangy, and a lot of funky. On the menu today, fermented foods. Fermented foods have been around for thousands of years. The earliest recordings of the fermentation process have been dated to 300 BC in China. Fermenting helps preserve foods and drinks, and while they're a staple of so many cuisines, they've only recently gained traction in the Western market. That's because some fermented foods have been associated with health claims like boosting your immune system and improving digestion. Kombucha, a fermented tea beverage, is a prime example of this. Even though it's been around for millennia, it's only recently become a wealthy post-yoga must-have. In 2018, global sales of kombucha hit almost $1 billion. On a trip to Vancouver in that same year, I visited the original Lululemon store where they had, and this is no joke, kombucha on tap. No water fountain, just the booch. It was like equally pretentious and creative, so pretty much on brand for Lululemon. Other fermented foods like kimchi have also seen a recent surge in popularity. This spicy Korean fermented cabbage dish was a 2020 culinary darling, used as a burger topping, sautéed with eggs, and wrapped up in burritos. But just like with any food group of the moment, rumors of their life-changing health effects have also begun circulating, especially in the wealthy wellness world. So, should we be hailing fermented foods as a health hero, or simply enjoying them for their tangy, funky goodness? Let's find out. Fermentation is a process that uses live microorganisms like bacteria, yeast, and mold to transform foods and beverages. Bacteria turns milk into yogurt, yeast is used to make sourdough, and mold creates blue cheese. Almost any food, from fruits to grains to meat, can be fermented. And just because something is fermented doesn't mean it's associated with health. All alcohol is a result of yeast fermentation, and some sausages like chorizo and salami are made thanks to bacteria. Fermented foods and drinks are found in every cuisine around the world because historically, fermentation was a great way to preserve food. This is because the microorganisms used in fermentation produce molecules that have antimicrobial properties, which prevents the food from spoiling. Fermentation has also been used to improve taste and texture, essentially making inedible foods edible, like olives, for example, which are incredibly bitter without fermentation. Foods can be fermented in two ways. The first is by using microorganisms found naturally, like from the regular bacteria on our fruits and veggies, or from the environment, like the wild yeast found floating in the air. As creepy as that is, yeah, there is yeast just like floating in air. The alternative way to ferment a food is by using a starter culture, which is a group of microorganisms that you add as an ingredient. Kombucha is made this way, and their starter has a fabulous name of SCOBY. SCOBY is an acronym that stands for Symbiotic Culture of Bacteria and Yeast, and it kind of looks like the body of a small beige jellyfish. A SCOBY is added into brewed tea with some sugar, and with the right time and temperature, 
the booch is born. Fermented foods and drinks are often described as tangy, sour, and funky, all thanks again to the molecules produced from these active microorganisms. But despite having a similar aroma and bite, fermented foods should not be confused with pickled foods. Pickling refers to the preservation of foods in an acid, usually vinegar. The pickling process, of which Peter Piper did not partake, also often involves high heat, which is used to destroy any microorganisms. And remember, microorganisms are key to fermentation. But just because fermented foods use microorganisms, that doesn't mean they should be confused for probiotics either. By definition, probiotics are live microorganisms that, when consumed in a specific quantity, have a beneficial health effect. This definition is like a bit more medicinal. There is a prescribed dose required to claim a food, like yogurt, contains probiotics. And that's because the quantity and quality of microorganisms we ingest is important in determining their effect on our body. About 100 trillion bacteria live in our digestive system. That's mind-boggling and a little frightening, especially when we've been raised to think of bacteria as bad. But over 300 different species of bacteria, plenty good, along with other microorganisms like yeast, coexist inside of us in a galaxy called the gut microbiota. The vast majority of these microorganisms live in our small and large intestines and help digest food and extract nutrients. Scientists strongly believe that our individual demographic mix of microorganisms influence our metabolism, hormones, and immune system. Another incredible effect of the gut microbiota is on our brains. The gut-brain axis is a complex neurochemical highway that essentially lets these two organs talk to each other and influence a whole host of events. It also brings eerie truth to the statement, you are what you eat. Now, the population density and diversity of our gut microbiota are key to our health, and an imbalance with more bad bacterial strains, for example, can cause short-term digestive discomfort and infection. A long-term imbalance may even lead to bowel disease, obesity, cardiovascular disease, and perhaps cancer. The composition of the microbiota is partially influenced by the foods we eat. Research has shown that people who predominantly eat a highly processed, what I'm going to call a make America great again diet, have less good bacteria in their gut than someone who eats more fresh food. That's because a key way to introduce good bacteria into our gut is through eating fresh food that hasn't been sterilized in a manufacturing plant. Because fermented foods use live microorganisms, it would make sense to think that eating them could add new good populations to our digestive system, and that would lead to better health. But that's not the case just yet. Sometimes science doesn't have thrilling conclusions like Bill Nye or the Mythbusters crew taught us to believe. Often, the result of a nutrition study is the familiar phrase, more research is needed. And this time, it's no different. So far, there is no strong clinical evidence that fermented products boost our immune systems, cure indigestion, or any other clickbaity health claim. Instead, the vast majority of science shows neutral effects, meaning your health doesn't change whether you eat fermented foods or not. But why is this? Surely eating foods that use good bacteria and good yeast will help diversify and strengthen our gut microbiota, which will then have positive effects on our health. Well, there are three main reasons why we don't really see anything just yet. First, 
not all fermented foods consistently contain live microorganisms, and if they do, it can be difficult to know the quantity present. If the fermented food contains wild yeast or bacteria, like a homemade kimchi, it's impossible to tell just how many and what strains of microorganisms you're eating. If the food or drink is manufactured, the temperature, time, pH, and moisture levels during production can all affect the survival of the bacteria and yeast. For example, high heat when baking bread kills the yeast used to make sourdough. Also, some traditionally fermented products sold in the grocery store may not actually be fermented. Instead, they are produced with vinegar. Store-bought sauerkraut is notorious for this. So someone could be regularly consuming what is thought to be a fermented food, but may not be actually ingesting live or large quantities of a microorganism. The second key reason why science hasn't yet shown health effects after eating fermented foods is that our bodies are an incredibly scary destination for microorganisms. Our digestive tract is designed to destroy and kill almost anything that is ingested. Think of the 2001 cartoon movie Osmosis Jones. We have thousands of defense mechanisms, including overzealous white blood cells and leather jackets, which our body uses to scout and destroy any unwanted visitor. One of those defenses is our stomach, truly a hell for anything we eat or drink. Our stomach acid is primarily used to quickly break down food, and to help do that, it has a pH level of 2, just slightly less acidic than battery acid. Any microorganisms we ingest must survive this journey through the fiery pits of our stomach and make it to the intestines. In research on fermented foods, one of the first steps is figuring this out. Do the bacteria we even eat end up at their final destination? The way scientists confirm this is by studying our poop. Poop provides a great sample of our microbiota, and by analyzing what quantity and strains of bacteria exist before and after eating fermented foods, we can confirm if the microorganisms ingested actually made it to their new home. Who knew that poop analysis could be so valuable? The third and final reason why we haven't seen any clinical effects of consuming fermented foods is that this is a really new field of study. Even though humans have been consuming these foods and drinks for millennia, interest in investigating their health effects only started when the Western world, and by that I mean big money, became interested. Most of the research I found was conducted in the last five years or so, and in the world of nutritional science, that is a field in its infancy. Nutrition research usually takes decades, especially if you monitor the diets at the population level. Developing cancer or heart disease doesn't happen overnight, so it's nearly impossible to say anything about the long-term effects of consuming fermented foods when we've only recently begun studying it. Although, we can say a few things about the short-term effects of consuming some fermented foods. Fermented dairy, like yogurt and kefir, fermented cabbage, such as sauerkraut and kimchi, and fermented soy, like tempeh and miso, are the foods and drinks that have been mostly studied in humans. And while the overall result of these studies is neutral, some preliminary research shows signs of positive short-term results. For example, in one study, sauerkraut reduced the severity of irritable bowel syndrome. In another, kefir was shown to reduce gastrointestinal symptoms like nausea and diarrhea in people with a gut infection. And in my favorite study to date, researchers found that eating sourdough croissants led to less abdominal cramping and milder flatulence compared to people who ate regular croissants. Let's pause for a second and reflect on some critical questions. How does one get notified to be a volunteer for a croissant study? Is there like a waitlist to subscribe to? 
Also, how do you study the magnitude of farts? Like, what machinery is involved? Is this a subjective survey? Do the scientists sit with you in a room and evaluate? So many questions, so little time. These short-term effects of consuming some fermented products are not necessarily due to bacteria and yeast successfully journeying to our guts. There's another aspect at play here. During the fermentation process, microorganisms work to break down and create a lot of new molecules. Some of these molecules are known to be beneficial for heart health and metabolism, and some of these molecules are vitamins. Certain bacteria can actually create folate, riboflavin, and vitamin B12 in foods that didn't originally contain these micronutrients. Other microorganisms can break down molecules that are difficult to digest. A bacteria in kefir breaks down lactose, which makes this drink easier to digest for people who are lactose intolerant. And the bacteria in sourdough can break down hard-to-digest carbohydrates called FODMAPs. The acronym is not important, but just know that this group of carbs are notorious for causing severe bloating, gas, and constipation in people with digestive issues. So thanks to the fermentation process, sourdough is a much more stomach-friendly bread. There are also plenty of anecdotal tales of fermented foods and drinks helping to prevent and decrease digestive discomfort. Considering there are no negative effects of consuming these products, it may be worth considering adding them to your diet if you struggle with digestive health. Just check the label to see if it contains live and active cultures, or at the very least, is not a pickled product in disguise. Fermented foods and drinks are a staple of global cuisines. They're even listed in national dietary guidelines in countries like India, Kenya, and South Africa. These products are safe and tasty, and with time, we may discover they have beneficial health effects or not. But for now, just enjoy them for the funk and flavor they bring to our palates. And don't concentrate so much on boosting your immunity by drinking the booch. That's been the bite for today. Stay hungry. Thanks for listening to Nutrition Bites. If you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast and share with a friend. If you want to get in touch with me, please follow me on Instagram at Nutrition Bites Podcast. Have a great week.